Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Reunion, Part 3, Great Expectations, recorded Sunday, September 26, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. The title of today's message is Great Expectations. And in, in a marriage, as parents, we're going to talk about parenting next week. As parents in, re- in marriage relationships, we start out with great expectations, and we should. I mean, if someone would ask you prior to getting married, what are your expectations for marriage, you'd probably have a several things on your mind that, that you would be able to state. Uh, you'd have answers. And, and some would be reasonable. Some would probably be idealistic. But the bottom line is this. When it comes to expectations most certainly you'll have to make adjustments going forward. And the question I have for you today as we get started is just to think about this. How, how good are you at reading instructions? Like instruction manuals, directional pamphlets, stuff like that. So I, I would say that, that most of us, we might think, well, why do I need to do that? Because at times, I thought the instructions were for needy humans who really weren't quite as smart as I am. So I just say, I won't, you know. I mean, why would anyone want to make this project last 15 minutes longer than it's already going to last by reading that piece of paper? But life and plenty of dumb tax has taught me that following instructions are really for people who want to do it right the first time. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I'll give you an example of that. I've got many, but uh, a few years ago, I needed to install a ceiling fan in one of my bedrooms. And ironically, I had just taken one down in another place and had to re, you know, I had to actually fixed it and put it back up, and it worked pretty well. Didn't have any instructions for that, so I thought, this will be a breeze. It just comes out of the box, and you put it up. So without really giving much thought to the instructions, I might have taken a glance, but I just started doing it because I had just done it, right? And I, I, I just, here's the thing. I ended up spending four hours on that thing when it should have taken a half hour. And here's another thing. I have a, a ceiling fan today that works great when the light's on and the fan runs. But when the light's off, the fan doesn't run. Yeah, that's me. Because I didn't watch the YouTube video, okay? I didn't take time. Most of us have experiences in life where if we just would have read the instructions, we wouldn't have to start over. Now, it's one thing if it's a ceiling fan or a grill coming out of a box or a kid's toy on on Christmas Eve. Uh, Kids, by the way... uh, Santa brings the toys, but you, you know, your parents sometimes help with that. I'm just saying that. So anyway, so it, it's one thing if it's that. But if it's something really important, like your marriage or being a parent, I mean, if I keep repeating stupid, it's going to be like the last time if I do that, if I'm stubborn. I mean, there are some things that if you don't get it right, it really has huge ramifications for the for your life and the lives of those who you care about. So my question for you is this. How can we make sure this time won't be like the last time? So for instance, if you're starting over in dating, how do you make sure that the next time is different than the last time? 
Or let's just say you're thinking you're starting over, you're going to think you're going to start over in marriage. Different than last time? Yes or no? I mean, what about parenting, you know, when you make mistakes? Here's one thing that I've learned. It doesn't take a lot of work to have a bad marriage. I really don't have to lift a finger to have a terrible marriage. I mean, I, I have to work my tail off to have a good one, but I'm pretty sure I can have a bad one without any effort. Do you know why marriage is so hard? There's reasons, but I would say mainly because it involves high, two highly imperfect human beings. That's, that's really the main reason. I, I mean, and, and when you link two imperfect people together, they're going to be imperfect outcomes. And on top of all that, we bring unrealistic expectations into marriage. I've been showing you this wheelbarrow full of bricks for like two weeks now. This is the third week of the series. And I've been describing how we bring these unrealistic expectations into our marriage. And it builds up a wall where we just really have a hard time loving each other and communicating the way we should and all the things that happen when these expectations aren't met. And so, uh, so it's been something that we've been doing in the last couple of weeks. The problem is, and it's true for every man and woman who gets married, every one of us comes into marriage with a different wheelbarrow, a different set of expectations. A and so that's probably going to affect the way you love each other, or you don't. James Merritt says this, if you're having a hard time holding your marriage together, I can tell you why. And if you would let me go back and study the history of your marriage and how it got to this point, I could tell you what the problem is. As a matter of fact, here's the problem without doing that. The problem is it's true for every man and woman who gets married, he says. Every one of us come into marriage with a totally different set of expectations of what we're going to get out of marriage. Now, with this wheelbarrow of bricks, I mean, the things we drag into our marriages, behind every one of them is this idea that God put this person in my life to meet my expectations. And, and here's the wake-up call for every one of us. Whether you are married or not yet married or someday will be married or maybe never will be because it's a relational rule, ultimately, you cannot meet all the expectations of your mate. And they cannot meet yours. It's not their job. It's not their job. But as Lee Corso, because I have to bring up college football today, as Lee Corso says, because some of you just need to get past college football right now, that Lee Corso, by the way, six, seven-yard punt? Like, like, that's the third row here. I can throw this brick <laughs> seven yards. Ready, Chuck? No, I'm just kidding. I kind of feel that way right now. I just want to throw the bricks. I would have had one last night in front of that television. Boom. 42 screen. Anyway. Where was I at? Come on. Where are we at? Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. There are expectations for your marriage. It's not that there aren't. It's just that we have to tie into God's expectations. 
That's our responsibility. It is, it, we, we are to meet expectations, and they come absolutely from the directional approach that God tells us what they are. And so union in marriage always comes when a person meets God's expectations for that person. When the man does so, when the wife does so, that, that the question is, though, what are these expectations? Now, I want to use these bricks differently now. We've been using them as kind of a negative, you know, things that we drag in our marriage. Let's use them today as building blocks. These are structural things that if they're in our lives in the right way, if they're put in our lives, they really make a difference. So there's three bricks, as you can see. Uh, and this is really showing us what unites us. The good news is we have directions. We have an example. We have a Serving for Dummies book, and it comes from someone far smarter than us. When I meet God's expectations for my role in my marriage, he will meet my needs. I can trust him with the results of my marriage. I believe this. And so husbands or men who someday want to be, how are you supposed to serve your wife in marriage? And wives or women who someday hope to be, how are you going to serve him? And there's three simple ways, all found in the instruction manual, and, and they are the, they're three S words, submit, surrender, and sacrifice. Submit, surrender, and sacrifice. And they come from a very pivotal place in the scripture, Ephesians 5.21 and following. And it begins by saying this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we are all told when it comes to our relationships with God and each other, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All of you submit now, I know for many of us, this word submission is a dirty word. Let me point out something. Everyone here submits. Everyone. You say, no, no. I'm my own woman. I'm my own man. I do it my way. I'm an entrepreneur. Really? I mean, congratulations. Aren't you something? But listen, here's the thing. You're still submitting to something. I mean, think about this. Are you saying you don't have the humility and submission to, to, to pull this off? I mean, you, you have to be beholding to your schedule, to your staff, to the government at some level, to your clients. This is probably going to anger some of you when I say this, but you cannot have the marriage God wants for you unless you submit. But here's the key. Here's the expectation. Unless you submit to Jesus Christ as your Lord. Paul says the motivation has to be reverence for Christ. Men, God wants you to model your marriage based on his love that he has for his bride, the church. Ladies, God wants you to model your love for your husband based on the love that the church has for the bridegroom who is Christ. And I would say this, this is what my kids, this is what I want my kids, my grandkids to see about me. I mean, I want my grandkids, my kids to say, you know what, my grandpa, my dad, he certainly isn't perfect, but he loves my mom, my, my mom, my, my grandmama. He loves her. He loves her, and it shows me how Jesus loves me. That's, that's really it. I, I think that that's what Jackie wants them to see, that, that she certainly isn't perfect, more so than me. She's not perfect, but 
but you know what? The way she loves grandpa, man, that's really a lot like Jesus loves his church, right? Now, how do we do this? It's a constant process of putting the other person's needs before our own and delegating our own needs to the second place in the relationship. And that, as you know, is a journey, not an event. He wants my marriage to be a reflective image of Jesus for us. That's as simple as I can put it. And that means that Jesus Christ has to be on the throne of your life if this is going to work out at all. And when a husband and a wife are living in reverence for Jesus, it's our best shot for being right for each other. Now, let me make this perfectly clear. You won't, you'll understand this. I've made a lot of mistakes in my marriage, as you probably have too. Actually, to be honest, we both have, Jackie and I. Now, please believe me and don't doubt this. Jackie's been a far better Christian wife than I have been a Christian husband. And you're like, well, we never doubted that. Why are you even bringing that up? Well, don't doubt it, okay? Because if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. I'm just telling you right now. You're not getting rid of me. But, but let me tell you something I think we've done right. We've done a lot of things that aren't so right, but one thing that we've done is we've tried to live in reverence to Jesus. And it's given us the opportunity over and over and over again to figure it out when we fail each other. And so... What we have found is that when we submit to God, it is possible to submit to each other and to respect each other. Jesus models this humble, reverent submission that we're supposed to let be our posture for one another and the people in our lives. Not without failure, but as a concept that drives us forward. Now here's the second thing that Jesus says about this, you know, these three bricks of structure of, of, of getting past these weird expectations we might have for each other. Wives, surrender willingly to your husband. Now, before your blood pressure, ladies, sends you to some toxic, woke website, let me just read to you a passage from Ephesians 5.22 and explain it a little bit. Wives, submit yourselves, that's a crucial little word in there, to your own husbands, that's, in other words, not every man on the planet, but your husband, as you do to the Lord, the crucial part of that passage. That word submit means surrender, it means to voluntarily yield to this other person's role in your life, and I mean role, role is the key. And whose authority is he calling you to that submission? He says, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Not as your Lord. He's not, your husband's not your Lord. You have a Lord. It's not him. Sir, you cannot demand this. You don't have that right. Jesus does. This is not a political issue. It is not a social issue. It is a spiritual issue. And the key word is not submit in this verse. The optimal words are, as you do to the Lord. That's where surrender happens, is to God, to the Lord. I need to remind you of this because we forget, as do I. You forget, I do. Jesus Christ is the eternal God over all things, who had 
no reservation about willingly sacrificing himself for us. He endured 33 years of fairly miserable living. He endured three and a half years of constant critical opposition in his ministry. He endured 24 hours of possibly the most excruciating form of punishment and death a human being could ever experience for one reason. You say, yeah, because he loves me. Well, that's not the reason. You know what the reason is? He told us, he said, Father, I submit to your will. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, your will be done. Do you see that? Please hear me in this. This does not imply that in any way the wife is considered inferior to her husband because Jesus, believe me, is not inferior to God. I want to show you another scripture about this. It's found in 1 Corinthians 11.3, Paul teaching on this same topic, basically. And again, stay off the woke website for now. Please just listen. But what I want you to realize is that the head of every man, you could put person, the, every, the head of every person is Christ. Anybody here have a problem with that? I don't have a problem with that. Let's go on. And the head of the woman is man. Ooh, I might have a problem with that. The head of Christ is God. Excuse me? Thought he was God. They teach me in this church, Jesus is God. Holy Spirit, God, Father, all one, all the same, God. Yeah? And yet the scripture teaches that Jesus willingly submitted to God in the role that he needed to fulfill, that the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus to spread the gospel in the world. And so anyone who knows anything about theology knows that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one, and yet Paul is not describing a pecking order. That's where we get this wrong. This is not a pecking order. This is an understanding of roles, responsibilities, and it really works well when this third principle is in place, and that is husbands, sacrifice for your wife. Guys, if you will meet God's expectation for you as a man, it will make it so much easier for her to meet her expectation to God for you. And it will make it possible, actually, for that to happen. But here's the deal. Guys, it has to be led by you. And ladies, don't take this wrong. But God places an added responsibility on the husband in the marriage. This is a truth that's hard to hear. God holds both Jackie and I equally responsible for our marriage. But he holds me primarily responsible. And here's the proof. Garden of Eden. Heard of it? First man and woman. What were the names? Can't remember. Adam, oh, Adam and Eve, I remembered. I think you did too. Remember what happened? Like I had like two days of bliss, right? And then I don't know how long it was. And then temptation entered the garden. 
And then, and then, you know, it came in the form of some forbidden fruit, right? You know the story, right? Which is much more than just fruit. It's about who's going to be God in this marriage or in my life. And then, guys, who was it? Who, who was the first one to eat that fruit? Guys, come on, who was it? Shout it out to me. Eve. Oh, you didn't shout out. It was Eve. Come on. This is your chance. And you're like, it was Eve. She did it. Like, like Adam did the same thing I would have done in that situation because they both ate the fruit, right? God shows up and says, hey, who did, what's going on? Oh, God, it was her. She's the one. She did it. I just followed because I'm henpecked. That's all. It's, 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 she started it. But you know what we learn in this situation? Who is it that, ladies, who is it that, that God addressed first when he saw that this sin occurred? Who did he talk to first? Who was it, ladies? Yeah, that's right. You know why? I think there's a lesson for all time here. I think God sent his men a message for all time. When there's a problem at home, I'm coming to you. I'm, that's the only way I can read that. What is your greater responsibility? Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Jesus give up for her? Oh, just his life. And I, by the way, I think every guy here, if I come to you and say, hey, do you love your wife? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then you might even give me a couple examples. And I might even say to you, hey, you know, if it came down to it, and like it was a life or death situation, and it was either you or her, would you give your life? And I think you'd say, yeah, I'd do it. And I believe you, by the way. I think I'd say the same thing, and I believe it. But, but here's how Paul takes this. He goes further than that. And here's how he does it. And I want you to see this. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. So Paul goes from the ultimate, would you give your life, to the everyday hey, will you feed her like you feed yourself? I mean, come, come and think about this. This is every man on earth, okay? You strive to satisfy your body. If you're hungry, you feed it. If you're thirsty, you hydrate it. If it's tired, you take a nap. If it's dirty, you usually bathe it. You take it to the gym. You meet its urges. You want to satisfy your body. You don't give a second thought to that. You go to work and you work hard so you can golf with your body. That's what you do. You give up stuff so you can hunt with it. And Paul is just asking this question. Will you be willing to sacrifice for your wife in the same manner that every day, day after day, you sacrifice for yourself? Just a side note. Ladies, if the man that you love won't make a marriage vow to you, why on earth would you give him one inch of your body to satisfy himself? Just asking. What he's saying to the guys, though, here is, you love her the way I love her. And it's a big ask. 
And one of the questions that comes to both the men and the women in this whole passage and this scenario is, if I meet God's expectation for, 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 for my marriage, and if I surrender to my wife, or I surrender sacrifice for my wife, I surrender for my husband, what if they don't fulfill my expectations in marriage? Who's going to meet my wants, my needs, my desires? And this is what life has taught me, not only in my marriage, but in many of yours. When you trust God with your marriage, God will meet your needs. God will. You can trust him. This is what Jesus has done. Jesus trusted God with his marriage, his bride, the church, and God has met all of his needs. Philippians 2 talks about this. It's a beautiful passage about all of this, and I wish we had time to read it. We don't. But God exalted Jesus to the highest place because Jesus put himself in the place of submission and sacrifice for us. And he'll do that for you too, in, in, in a sense. You won't become a God, but he will help you. He will meet your needs. He will strengthen you. Jesus served you in his death so that you could serve him with your life. And there is not a not more important place to serve him than in your marriage. Lord, we need help because we know what we are. We know how we can go. We know what we can do. We know our hearts aren't always lined up with yours. But you said you'll meet all of our needs if we will trust you and our expectations are met in you. So we're just going to come to you in this moment and we're going to lay our lives before you and say, Lord, I trust you. In this moment of communion, that's really what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, again, I trust you. Take me from here. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. I know, because it happens to me, when, when we bring these topics up, there's all kinds of topics that come up. I know that. That's why I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm imploring you, really, to, to take this before God. Let God meet your expectations. Let him be the one who centers your life. Get off the idea that somebody else in this world has that responsibility to you because they do not. They, they have to work on this with God. That's between them and God. That's all I'm saying. You know, I, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years when I work with couples on topics like this. Uh, one is I've said to people who are in a hard way with their marriage, or maybe with their kids, I'll, I'll say, you just need to be more committed to it. You need to be more committed to your marriage. Like next week, we're going to talk about this. You need to be more committed to your kids and your family. And then it hit me this week like a ton of bricks. I don't think there's, I haven't found it. I don't think there's any place in the scripture where it tells me I should be more committed to my marriage. But there's plenty of places in the scripture where it says, you need to be more committed to me as God and me, to God. You need to be more committed to your, your mate 
because you're committed to me. See what I'm saying? It's different. If you're committed to your master and your mate, your marriage take care of itself. Not without trouble, but in a forward-moving sense. I trust this about you. I trust that you're here to find ways to yield to God. I trust that you're here to have life change. So if, if in your marriage you're seeking that, I challenge you to ask your spouse this question. Ask, her, ask him this question this week. Last week I challenged you to prayer. Keep that up. This week I'm challenging you to ask this question and then be ready to do what you can. Here's the question. Ready? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Now, very, very risky. Because you might ask that question and they might not ask it back. But again, who meets your expectations? Is it them? I mean, God never intended for any person on earth to meet my expectations. People make lousy gods. His promise to you is, if you will do this my way, if you'll meet my expectations for your mate, I'll take care of it. That's faith. That's faith. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.